What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our fo- first podcast of the year 2022. We are back with this Cater versus Chikadze card going down this Saturday at the UFC Apex. Only 10 fights, but it still feels really good to be back. And I'm joined by my co-host, as always. How are we doing in the new year, Ozzy? Great. Uh, you know, two weeks in. Uh, Omnicron's not killed me yet, um, and, but it's been killing a lot of these fights, unfortunately. And uh, I, I think obviously it was anticipated. You saw all the all you know in all other sports, you know people getting it and it just you know running down the uh, the pipeline here. So <clears throat> hopefully the, these uh, fights stay together and uh, as well for the pay per view uh, next week. But ready, finally getting uh, UFC back, MMA uh, weekly, and uh, you know any any uh, high level MMA is good. So. Yeah, if you look at the Tapology card for the canceled fights, it's literally an entire card. It's like almost 12 fights that have been canceled or rescheduled due to COVID. So uh, definitely, I wouldn't recommend taping these fights too far ahead of time because you could be wasting your time. But uh, just a quick uh, recap of 2021, uh, Ozzy had another fucking insane year, his fifth year in a row of profit. You want to talk a little bit about that, Ozzy? How'd you finish up last year? Uh, yeah, so uh, last two events went well. I had one hiccup event. I think the, uh, you know, one of the fight nights there, the Aldo, Aldo uh, fought one, but came back last two, two events, nine units up, 80, just under 88 units uh, for the year, 17% ROI, really focusing on uh, money line bets. Uh, just over, you know, hit fifty-two percent of those at, at a plus uh, a plus money uh, rate, and uh, and then did well on the prop side of things as well. So really good year, um, fourth year in a row. Um, you know, kind of you know doing just kind of committing and 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 going through a, a more thought out process to to you know continue success there, and uh, and yeah, you know, I went going into it like I said when I started doing it in twenty seventeen, kind of tracking it on here. It was nothing to. It was just you know tracking in place, putting them up there. Uh, I think like last, two years ago, I started seeing I'd put stuff up, and you you start seeing it get steamed. So you know couldn't do that. So that's why I went uh, uh, out, uh, behind the paywall. And uh, and then after seeing, you know, you got poker players, you got, you know, pro guys on, on the, those sides doing that, uh, you know, and kind of subscribing and stuff. So, yeah, you know, looking to, to carry this into the to the new year and, uh, you know, keep uh, successful in all promotions, too. So Bellator, UFC, you know, PFL, I think was one of my weak points last year uh, and hopefully in, in contender series last year as well. So hopefully uh, get that back on track and uh, keep uh, finding these winners uh, up and down the card. Yeah, you had a little hiccup there. You said four years, but it's been five years in a row of straight profit. So oh, five years. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, like, if you look at Ozzy's stats on BetMMA, it's just I don't think there's anybody out there that is doing uh, these consistent numbers year after year, mostly money line, no crazy props, no 30, 40 units risk on a card. Uh, just one of the most consistent and best bettors out there. So I'm happy to have my man with me doing the podcast. And for me, it was a uh, 27.5 unit profit year, 11% ROI. I actually risked a lot less units, uh, almost 100 less units than last year. So maybe you got to up the risk a little bit this year because the ROI has been good back to back years. Um, and, you know, been in the profit two years in a row. Uh, the first year I started tracking, I, I was trash and barely knew what I was doing. But I've uh, gotten better over the years and, um, you know, just happy to be back doing these podcasts. And uh, with that being said, we're going to get into the first fight on this car, which is a short notice fight in the featherweight division. Uh, looking over at the odds here, we got Brian Kelleher minus 315, Kevin Kroon plus 265. That's the line available on Bet Online right now. It was supposed to be Kelleher versus Kakramanov at 135, Kelleher moving up to 
145 on short notice and Kevin Kroom coming in on about three or four days notice uh, for this one. And, you know, I looked on Kroom's Instagram. The guy has been training a lot, training in glory with those good guys over there. But uh, just rewatching his fights, I mean, really unimpressed with the guy's skill set. Uh, the Caceres fight was just incredibly puzzling to watch. He, he kept attempting takedowns on Caceres. He would fail the takedowns. He would get put in a submission. He would get put on bottom. And then he would just go right back to the takedowns. Like you think if the takedowns aren't working, maybe switch up the game plan, start looking to throw some strikes. But Kroom just had no idea what to do in that fight and got dominated bell to bell by Caceres. Um, he is pretty tough to submit though. He was locked in a full on triangle uh, versus Caceres still didn't tap. So I doubt Kelleher is going to be tapping crew out. It just seems like a matter of whether Kelleher is going to win by decision or by knockout. Uh, he did have that knockout against Azure at 145 last year. So uh, uh, the guy does have some power in his hands every now and then, but he doesn't really look for the finish, so I'll, I'll go with Kelleher by decision uh, just because I don't think he's the type of guy to really hunt down that finish. So money line's unplayable here, though, from my my mind. Yeah, so, uh, you know, interesting fight to to come together here at the last minute. Not going to go too deep into it. Um, you know, Kelleher's fought really good competition at 135. He's, you know, totally fine, I guess, with that 145 weight class. Kroom, he's been, he sucks himself you know, out even uh, going down to 145. So I, I don't think there's going to be a strength disadvantage. Uh, obviously, there's a reach advantage here for, for Kroom. So Kelleher is probably going to be looking to get on the inside. Uh, so I expect grappling here in this fight. Uh, and, you know, Kelleher probably being on top. Mostly, he's never lost. He's only lost one time by uh, by knockout. Um, I think maybe looking at ends by submission in this fight, uh, I think both these guys could probably submit uh, the other, um, even though you haven't seen Kelleher get submitted uh, yet or that often that armbar against like Marlon Vera, this is going to be grappling here. So like DraftKings, I think now, or and those fantasy uh, scoring platforms, I think uh, value grappling a bit. So I think uh, j just thinking about it, uh, Kelleher's probably a good uh, play for DraftKings and we'll wait to see uh, on the prop side of things because uh, none have uh, come out uh, as of yet. Yeah, not the greatest fight, but at least we're getting a fight. At least they salvaged together something there. And uh, another fight next in the featherweight division, another fight that was canceled and put together recently, we got downtown TJ Brown. Um, he is the favorite at minus 250. Charles Rosa, short notice, plus 210. It sucks we're not getting Benitez versus Brown, but at least we got a fight together. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one? Yes, yeah, so I lost a bet there. I was on TJ Brown versus Benitez at, I think, one of the, some of the better prices, like plus 175, 176, and plus 180. So it's unfortunate. I thought he was going to really take it to, to Benitez, honestly. Um, Rosa, you know, his issue is, yeah, I was on Damon Jackson big against him. His issue is he can't really wrestle all that much. Uh, he's, he's a little bit physical weak uh, in there when they lock up and uh and but if he is able to be in the fight he makes fights close you know the, a bunch of his fights uh even that uh, justin james fight that people didn't think was close you know they just end up being close uh and tj brown he's kind of a bonehead uh that submission he got caught uh in by i think it was like jordan jordan griffin insane to get caught uh with that and then the danny chavez fight so he's been an up and down guy i like him personally um but against charles rosa i don't really want to lay this juice that much but maybe you look at honestly this going you know like the over here uh that still hasn't come out uh, either um both these guys i mean tj brown even if he gets dropped he's kind of hard to finish he's i think physically physically uh a little bit more imposing than rosa <clears throat> and rosa always goes to decision as well so i'm interested to see what the the over would be here um but probably no play otherwise 
Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, Brown was definitely the side there versus Benitez. It's a shame you lost that one. Hopefully they put that one back together. Um, but I just can't pick Charles Rosa or put much confidence in him against any guy who wrestles. And, um, you know, Derek Minner uh, was able to put together a 15-minute grappling game plan. They have the same head coach as TJ Brown, uh, James Krause. So I think Krause is going to tell Brown, just take this guy down over and over again. Um, you know, he is kind of noodly on the ground. He throws up submissions from time to time. But outside of like a submission off of Rosa's back, I don't see how he's going to win this fight. He doesn't uh, stop takedowns. He's not a knockout type of guy. And he's just going to struggle with the wrestling here of Brown. So as long as Brown, you know, stays uh, in control on top, doesn't get submitted by anything goofy like that guillotine, uh, he should just wrestle his way to a decision here pretty decisively. So I agree with Ozzy on the overs here. Uh, maybe look at Brown decision or just the over two and a half. And uh, that's going to take us to the next fight, which is in the welterweight division. We have a uh, pretty evenly lined fight. Ramiz Brahima minus 115, Court McGee minus 105. Um, so Brahima got back on track in his last fight, submitting Palatnikov. Uh, had a really rough debut against Griffin. It seemed like he just didn't know what to do against Griffin. This guy grappled in most of his LFA fights, and then he got uh, in the UFC versus Griffin, fight. and he tried being a striker. That was a crazy yeah, fight. He, was, it didn't make any sense. Of course, Brahima got his ear completely exploded in that one, too. I mean, his ear was literally hanging off his head. Very memorable fight. And um, so I think Ramiz went back to his base versus Palatnikov. He took him down. He submitted him. But Palatnikov was a terrible grappler. I mean, literally, like, almost as bad as it gets in the UFC. So I don't think that fight really proved too much. And Court McGee, known for having pretty good takedown defense historically throughout his career. I mean, he definitely has the experience advantage. I think I would give Court McGee the striking advantage, probably the cardio advantage as well. We've seen Brahima slow down in a lot of his fights. And the guy is just a front runner. He's, he's going to come out hard in round one. And if it doesn't go his way he doesn't get those takedowns he's probably going to slow significantly in rounds two and three here so uh it comes down to do you trust court mcgee's takedown defense do you think he's going to stuff these early shots and i'm going to lean uh yes i think he is going to do that um Silva attempted a few takedowns versus him. You still saw that good balance from McGee. Uh, I think the guy's just got good wrestling fundamentals and I'm not impressed by Rami's uh takedowns or his top game and I think Brahima's honestly his best way to win is just to catch McGee with some uh, big shot on the feet and maybe get a knockout. Uh, that's plus 900. So I think that's worth maybe a little poke uh, there. And I just don't see Rami's grappling his way to a victory here. So I think uh, Court McGee should probably run away with it in two and three, uh, outstrike him, stuff takedowns, uh, probably not get a finish. McGee is not the type of guy to, to really pour it on and get a finish. But uh, I like McGee here. Uh, and, you know, haven't locked in a bet on him yet, but if he gets to that plus money, I think it'll be a, a no-brainer to lock in some action on McGee. Uh, maybe even McGee decision at like plus, what is it, plus 200? No, nah, it's only plus 150. Um, but uh, what are yeah. you thinking here, Ozzy? Um, so this is, a, I think, a, a, a kind of fight that you get matched up uh, often where you have a guy who you know might be a little bit more explosive, a little stronger, and then you have the guy that kind of sticks around, chips away at you, and kind of wins fights uh, you know, very dirty. Uh, you see it kind of with maybe that Gritzmacher fight a few weeks back. Uh, I can't believe that I even <laughs> put that, that fight back up, but <laughs> I think I compared Gritzmacher to Court McGee, unfortunately. So uh, with that being said, um, I just think this is a pretty good matchup for Court McGee. Court McGee been in the UFC for forever, a uh, bunch of decisions under his belt, a bunch of rounds in with uh, with a lot of good guys. Um, he's looking pretty, he's still looking pretty strong to me overall, like when he's locking up with uh, Condit, uh, with uh, Claudio Silva, Sean Brady, 
holding his own in there. And I think he's going to be a little bit more imposing than um, than some of the guys that in, in the similar effect that Max Griffin was. And uh, he kind of reminds me of a fight maybe that Brahima had with Evan Cutts, who's kind of like a little also has a, a style similar to Court McGee. So I think Court is able to stick around here, chip away at uh, Ramiz. I think Ramiz does shoot some takedowns, but Court will be able to peel him up. Keep them in, 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 you know, into a clinch uh, situation. Wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me for it to be one-one going into third round. You know that that uh, Ramiz maybe one round one or even round two. You know, to be honest, but I think round three, uh, Court McGee is able to push, and I think here at the pick and price, uh, definitely a side um, that I would be that I would be uh, leaning towards. So I, I pick Court McGee here. Decision, you know, round three decision is probably a good prop. So yeah, I think Court McGee is a, a a good good play this week. Uh, on a week that there are not many. Yeah, Fandle was hanging uh, McGee round three or decision at plus 155. I think that's a good way to play him. I doubt he finishes early on here. So uh, we're in agreement on that one. That's going to take us up to the middleweight division where we have uh, Joseph Holmes making his UFC debut, fresh off the contender series, minus 148. Jamie Pickett, plus 128 on the comeback. Mm. What are your thoughts yeah, here? Uh, you know, two, bi two big guys, big reach uh, here at middleweight. Holmes making his debut. Uh, I don't really... I, I could see why he could have, you know, I guess some potential because he, he has... He's training with a pretty good gym. He's shown that he can throw knockout strikes, head kicks, uh, get submissions, all those things. But I think he hasn't fought a guy who has a when he wants to. Jamie Pickett has a motor, and if he if he if he's showing up to fight on on Saturday, you know I think uh, some of these positions that uh, in the grappling realm and clinch and you know in those areas of the fight, I think Jamie Pickett has a pretty good advantage over uh, Joseph Holmes. Joseph at, at range, I think, is probably going to be his best shot throwing those head kicks, throwing those strikes that have way more intensity because Jamie Pickett sometimes he's not really committing you know all that much in the pocket and and, and kind of falls short there um so I think Jamie Pickett here plus money good is a good is a good look uh just because I think uh Holmes if he if he starts to tire I think we see some grappling and uh Pickett probably uh, getting on top and being a little bit cleaner uh in those uh those aspects of the fight so I'd lean uh, I'd lean towards uh Jamie Pickett yeah, I'm going to agree with you again. I uh, hate to, you know, go on the same side. Uh, we don't really talk about these fights too much beforehand, but um, it, it's a little more fun when we disagree. But I, I agree with this, uh, your assessment of this one. Holmes, uh, I just don't really think he's shown too much skill in, in the cage so far. I mean, he's obviously a very athletic guy. He's huge for the division, 6'4". Um, but I'm, when I when he throws his shots, I just think they're they're a little bit sloppy. His footwork isn't the best. And I think he's just been looking really good against guys that he's had this massive athletic advantage over. If you look at the guys, uh, his recent wins, I mean, they're just not on the level of athleticism. And I think Pickett is going to be the first guy that Holmes has fought um, that's going to be really able to match that athleticism. Pickett is kind of a bit of a head case at times. Like sometimes he doesn't really fight to the best of his ability, like in the the potty fight he lost round one and then in round two he's like fuck it i'm gonna go get this guy i'm gonna throw some strikes and he knocked him out or at the end of the steropoli fight like when he bit down in the last 30 seconds of that fight and started letting his offense go i mean the dude throws hard i think he's got the cleaner offense of the two um it really i think i'll disagree with what you said about uh the striking here, Ozzy. I think Holmes' best chance would be to grapple. It would be to 
get this fight against the cage because Steripoli, not a grappler at all, and he was able to push Pickett against the fence for like the majority of that fight. Like every time Steripoli walked forward, Pickett would just walk straight back to the fence, and he wasn't given up many positions. He was stuffing takedowns. He was you know defending well. He just kind of stayed on the fence too long. And if you watch Holmes's fights, uh, he does like to, you know, mix in some takedowns, maybe get like a body lock uh, trip, outside trip. And then he has, you know, submitted a few of his opponents, but not impressed with his jujitsu at all. If you watch the Diggs fight, uh, I mean, that's a back and forth sloppy grappling fight. That shows you what the caliber of grappler Holmes is. It's not a high level. I think it's just another case of he's been getting on top of smaller guys uh, and he just is able to, you know, get them to give up that back take and give up that rear naked choke. I don't think Pickett is going to be quite as easy to give up those positions. Although Pickett has looked pretty bad on bottom, uh, like in a Soriano fight. So I'm a little bit worried about Pickett getting taken down and, and stuck on bottom here. But if the fight stays in the feet, if it's a kickboxing fight, I think I would probably favor Pickett. I think he's more experienced. I think he's fought higher level opponents. And I think that, uh, you know, Holmes really uh, is getting a bit overvalued here. I, I could see maybe Holmes being like minus 130, minus 120, but where it's at minus 150, I think the line is wide. So I think Pickett is what, uh, is worth a bet here uh, at his money line, and I'll just pick uh, pick it to win the fight straight out as well. So hopefully Jamie comes through with us here, and that's going to move us along to uh, the first fight on the main card. We're already on the main card, already ten uh, only ten fights in this card, and this one's in the featherweight division. We have Joe Anderson Brito minus one thirty two, Bill Algio plus one twelve. What are we thinking about this featherweight fight, Ozzy? I went back and forth a little bit uh, during this week. Um, now, Brito looked pretty good to me in that contender series fight in, in terms of uh, he was aggressive, um, came forward, uh, you know, mixed in the grappling, was able to consolidate position, threw big strikes in the feet, leg kicks. I mean, this guy was a madman, and he looked like he wasn't getting that, getting that tired. But if you look at his regional tape, it's it's just a little sketchy to me. I don't trust this guy that much. I Early on, I was like, hmm, I think he, he might be strong enough to be able to get these takedowns consistently on Bill. You saw against uh, in his fight before contender series, he just laid, laid that guy out, uh, Jose Mar Mariscal, who's a legit guy, and just laid him out. But I think Bill here, he's got the reach advantage here against uh, Brito a little bit. He just fights longer overall. And I think Brito, he's going to be, he might be content to throw these jet, like to just stand at range with Bill if he's not able to hold him down, which I don't know if he's, uh, Bill's jujitsu game is completely different from Lopez's that, uh, and the other, these other guys that Brito has been holding down easily. And you saw against Ricardo Ramos, he was able to get up on multiple occasions. I think he, he just, uh, R Ramos is a guy who's a much sharper than the guy like Brito. Brito is kind of like a, uh, a bull in the china shop kind of guy like uh, ramos is more of a, a a precision guy so i think the 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 loose the looseness that uh bill has in his game is kind of against guys like ramos i guess get get gets eaten up but against guys like uh brito i think he's able to move around him i think he's able to use the clinch and if Brito's able to take him down i think it's gonna just start tiring him out and over the course of 15 minutes i think uh, bill's gonna start coming out ahead but, you know, Brito does have big power. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 as the week has gone on, I kind of lean more towards Bill. And, uh, you know, I know him a little bit, to, so send him a little message as well. So I think I think this is a, actually a decent matchup for him if he's able to neutralize that uh, those takedowns and potentially even uh, maybe some light kicks as well. So I lean towards Bill, and I think uh, I think he's going to get this win here. And a good, good, uh, good bet here at Plus Money. 
Yeah, so a little uh, preface to this one before we get into it. Uh, Ozzy and I did a podcast for the first time back at before UFC 244. We talked for like two hours straight. And then after two hours, he was like, yeah, I know this guy who tra- who trains down by you, Bill Algio. You know him. I was like, as a matter of fact, I, I, I trained at his gym for several years now. So uh, we both know Bill. We're both familiar with the guy and, uh, you know, wishing him the best this weekend. Um, but he's, you know, running into a bit of an athletic disadvantage here versus Brito. This guy is definitely a super muscular, powerful guy probably is going to have the strength advantage. Uh, but going back and rewatching Brito's most recent contender series fight, I was a little unimpressed with what I saw. I mean, Lopez was, you know, getting taken down pretty easily and he was just content to lay on his back for long, long periods. And like Ozzy said, that is not Bill's style. Bill's pretty good at, at scrambling back up. He might give up his back at times looking to scramble up, but, uh, you know, he's also good at defending that. I mean, I was worried about the back take versus Ramos and Ramos did get a brief like standing back take, but Bill was able to defend that too. And, you know, that fight against Ramos really, really razor thin. And, uh, you know, there's honestly an argument that Bill could have won rounds two and three there. If he would have just stopped a few more takedowns, I think he would have been, uh, you know, in a good position to win that decision. And, uh, you know, Brito just kind of got takedowns against Lopez and was laying on top. He would throw an occasional big elbow, but the guy's not looking to pass. He's looking to kind of stay in guard and kind of just stall the fight out there. And I just don't think that's going to work at all here against Algio. So uh, Bill's going to be bouncing back up to his feet. I do think he's going to get initially taken down. Brito is, you know, very explosive with his takedowns. And I think he's going to get Bill down early, um, but Bill's going to, you know, work his way back up to the feet. And it's going to be a really even distance striking exchanges. We haven't seen a whole lot of footage of Brito striking at distance for like, you know, multiple minutes. We've seen him uh, throw out some, you know, big explosive uh, combinations, flying knees. But if these guys are trading for multiple minutes, I think it's going to be really even. And, you know, Bill's, you know, strike selection, his varied offense, his pressure could start adding up and, you know, maybe he could take over this fight late. So um, I think that Bill's probably going to lose round one here. That's a common trend in a lot of his fights. He loses round one. He works his way back out, works his way back in in round two, and then round three gets really close. That happened in the Lognane fight, the Lamas fight. Um, so look out for him to maybe drop round one here. Look to get in some live bets on on Bill, and I think it's gonna be a, a good live bet because. Uh, Brito's pace, his conditioning isn't too proven late in the fight. And uh, Bill's, you know, one thing he's has really good cardio and he's also extremely durable, hard to finish. I mean, he, uh, you know, took a beating from Lamas and Lognane, but still was never looking for a way out of that fight. So I don't think Brito's uh, going to be able to finish here. I think this one is going to go to the decision. And I think Bill just has way more experience. I mean, I, I know that for a fact. He has way more experience in decisions and he's fought uh, Spike Carlisle, Jared Gordon, and just a, a lot of guys uh, UFC level guys, and he's gone the distance with them while Brito has, has never really gone the distance with like a UFC caliber opponent. So, uh, I think Bill's at, you know, an, a, an athletic disadvantage here, but I think he does have the skill, uh, the, the veteran skill and everything like that to maybe make this fight close in the second and third round. So a really close fight. I like uh, a live bet on Bill here after round one. And that's going to take us to the next fight in the lightweight division, which is going to be uh, Slava Borshev making his UFC debut, minus 180, Dakota Bush, plus 155. 
Uh, Slava coming off his contender series knockout, uh, nasty left hook, one punch knockout. Uh, you know, probably one of the best knockouts on the contender series. But whenever you see a fighter coming off the contender series with like a spectacular finish like that, you should be, you know, looking to be very skeptical of them right off the bat. I think that's a really common trend we see. Um, but fortunate for Slava, he's kind of running into a guy who is not very proven, and I'm not impressed by Dakota Bush uh, much at all. Um, Bush was was grappling pretty heavy in his you know pre UFC fights his LFA fights but then versus Hubbard it seemed like he he elected to strike there he uh, I think he actually won round one against Hubbard before Hubbard uh, really started to run away with it in rounds two and three and Hubbard was actually out grappling Bush there in those later rounds so I don't think Bush is is the greatest grappler but if he comes in with the right game plan a wrestling heavy game plan I think he could be a live dog here because we have seen Slava get taken down we have seen him look you know kind of dire off of his back and even on the feet uh, Slava is you know kind of reckless he he gets hit a good amount himself that Duncan fight was a pretty sloppy wild brawl he was very willing to exchange in the pocket there um, so I just don't think Slava is as you know finely tuned as this line is making them out to be um so i'd say it's dog or pass but uh, i'm not even too inspired to be betting bush here but if you're thinking about betting this fight at all i think it should be bush uh, or pass maybe look at the bush subline whatever that is um and i'll pass this one over to you Ozzy. um so i kind of echo uh, some of those things but i just don't like bush and i like looking at slava's game overall i think his his fights have shown me that he is competent. I don't think Dakota Bush is kind of blowing through him and uh, submitting him easily, even though Chris Duncan got those uh, takedowns and all. I, I, I don't I don't know how much credence I'm putting uh, onto that. Uh, I think that Slava here outlast uh, Bush, is able to start connecting uh, with, you know, some body shots. Like, he's going to put some damage on Bush, and I think uh, as the fight wears on, uh, Slava will start to take over the pace of it. You know, maybe uh, Bush does get some takedowns early, but I don't think he's going to be consolidating them that much. Uh, it might be some, you know, a lot of clinching here. I think early on and potentially, you know, throughout the fight. And I think that just Slava is going to start chipping away at him and eventually maybe uh, you know, gets him out of there. Maybe then a second round uh, stoppage here would probably be my pick here for Slava. And I, I do lean his way, and I, I think he's a justified favorite. So. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's all my thoughts on that. And, you know, maybe slightly into the under. Nice. And uh, we have a long-awaited rematch. I mean, people all around the world were talking about this fight for years and saying, I, I would really like to see a second match between these two. And the UFC is giving it to us. So, you know, grateful for that. Women's flyweight division we have. Caitlin oh, Chukagian minus Damn. 180. <laughs> Jennifer Jennifer Maya plus 155 yeah. on the comeback. Obviously, Chukagian won the first fight back at UFC 244, I think. Uh, I think it was 29-28 unanimous decision. Uh, it's your turn yeah, to start so, this one off. I know you're lo really looking forward yeah, to this one. Yeah, so, I mean, Ch Caitlin Chugagian fights, they're just very interesting. I mean, the girl's got a very good record, 16-4. Uh, that's a great win rate. And and she's made, I mean, she makes people money. I, I remember she was coming off that Andrade fight and, you know, took that Calvillo fight. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, uh, uh, Caitlin Chugagian is plus 205. 
Like her decision decision was like plus three fifty. It was crazy, and I knew some guys that like Cynthia Calvillo. It was nuts. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I lost yeah, money on that fight. Uh, which in, in terrible. Hunt, it's insane to think that you know that, that be seventy percent you give Calvillo over Chukagan is just crazy. Um, but you know, uh, Caitlin stays in fights if she's not if you're not like out physicaling her. Uh, it, it's very very hard to win clearly over her. Um, so yeah, I could see why she'd be the favorite, but, but there's no way that you, I could lay a minus 180 chalk here just because Jennifer, uh, she could maybe land a takedown here on, on, on Caitlin. Caitlin, uh, is kind of just like kind of, uh, doesn't really, uh, mind giving up takedowns, uh, and, and doesn't have the best takedown defense. She'll pull guard and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I don't have too many thoughts on this. I think, uh, Maya's going to try to leg kick, uh, and, and push, uh, Chukagian back and Chukagian's going to do, you know, do her thing from there. So, uh, I lean this to go to decision, obviously. Um, and if you like Jennifer Maya, I, I just spent my decision, you know, it probably was uh, like plus 200 or something like that. That's fine. And, uh, move on. Yeah. I mean, the, Goes the distance here is minus three twenty five. I think it's I think it could be minus nine hundred, and I would have no problem with that. So if you're feeling you know risky, GTD minus three twenty five. I think that's honestly the off. Only the um, only finish I see here is like each of them club and sub. Like that's it. I don't see like either of them catching them in like sober uh, take uh, submission. Either of them, no, not happening. <laughs> or a KO. Like it, that's the thing. It'd be a club and sub. I actually did rewatch the the fight this week, so I have uh, you know some thoughts on this one. Um, I think the fight really comes down to how you know intelligent do you think Maya is? Do you think that she's going to realize that the striking didn't work out for her last fight? Do you think that she's going to come in with a, a more grappling heavy dis, uh, game plan? Because that's the only she way looked, that she can she win. She looked like a genius I, to you. No, no, far you? from it. She looks smart to you. No, typology. No, I mean she just went. She just went. She just went toe to toe, eating punches from Jessica. I. I think Jessica. I probably deserved that decision too. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean Maya when she pursued the takedowns more in round three, she was able to get them. But uh, when the fight was on the feet, you just saw Chukigan, uh much more elusive, um, much better strike selection. Her kicking game is way way better. The head kicks, the body kicks were really landing well for Chukigan there, and. Um, you know, I, I really see the only way Maya's winning this fight is getting takedowns and sustained top control for two out of three rounds to win a decision. She's probably not going to submit Chuk on. I, I would say, you know, definitely not going to submit Chuk Hagen on the ground. Chuk is uh, Chuk's a brown belt, and I don't think that uh, she's going to get caught with anything. I think, honestly, if anything, uh, if Chukagian comes in with the game plan to catch those kicks of Maya, those sloppy telegraph kicks, and get a, a takedown from that, like JoJo Calderwood did, I think we could see Chukagian, you know, show off her top game like she did versus Shevchenko. So I think that this is a pretty safe fight for Chukagian. She's been looking really sharp lately, uh, beating Calvillo, beating uh, Araujo. I think Araujo is a lot more dangerous of an opponent uh, than Jennifer Maya is. So I don't think Maya is going to do enough to, to get those takedowns to win the fight. And I think Chuk should win it in a you know, pretty similar, easy fashion to what she did last time. Uh, it just becomes a matter of wh whether you're going to play her or not. Uh, minus 110 is still available for Chuk decision on FanDuel. I think you could get away with betting that. I think that is you know a safe bet. I would put that at, you know... I would put it at more than minus 110. I think it should be closer to minus 150, maybe even minus 170. Uh, so there is value on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll be picking Chukagian decision uh, for my pick. Let's move on to the next fight, flyweight fight. Probably uh, the, the most fun, highly anticipated fight on the card for a lot of people. 
we have Brandon Royval as the favorite, minus 170. Hojirio Bontarin, plus 145. I know you're looking forward to this one, Ozzy. Uh, you can start this one off. I mean, yeah. you know, this is an <laughs> Yeah, you know, one twenty-five fight. Uh, you know, you need a you need to litter these cards with some of these fights because, I mean, you it could get sleepy when you're watching Jamie Pickett and freaking Dakota Bush and Kaylin. Like you need to throw in a Brandon Royval in there. Um, and that's what I feel about Brandon Royval. I don't think this guy's a very good fighter at all. I do not see what people, uh, what who whoever thinks this guy is like a top ten dude is. I I just don't see it at all. Obviously, he's fought and been fighting top competition, but I, I just don't like anything that he does. And he is saying that I think he's going to take a little bit more of a reserve approach this weekend, which I don't think is going to be to his benefit. I think uh, Bontarin, uh, pretty well-rounded guy. I mean, the only, the only, the, I don't understand when this is plus money for Bontarin. I think it's just speculation on this weight cut stuff. Like, I don't even know what happened. Why that Matt Snell fight was. Uh, planned for 135 some some stuff happened and then some stuff happened after that that he could even make that but it sounds circumstantial you know what i mean like one time thing he he's gonna make 125 i think is gonna be fine if anything maybe you should be worried about the 5-9 uh beanpole guy uh making uh 125 uh you know smoking all that weed and all so i don't know you know getting the munchies <laughs> over the holidays so uh, I don't know uh, why Why do you want to lay 170, 160, any minus price on Brandon Royval. Guy can't win a decision. Only big strikes is pretty fragile. You saw uh, Pantoja hit him with a punch, and he's kind of like, ah, my eye, like my eye, uh, uh, you know, it, which is, I mean, fair. You know, you just got punched in your eye, you know, it hurt. But it's just not something that you really see. His shoulders coming out. He's got, you know, that that you got a torn labrum for forever. He, and he gets dominated when he locks up against these guys until they gas. Like it just, I don't know. I like Bouncer in here. I think he could uh, win it on the feet, on the ground, wrestling, striking. As long as he doesn't gas, I think he's a better fighter everywhere. So. Yeah, and Rival, um does have, you know, some issues. I mean, if you look at him from like a strict technical perspective, you say that he's doing a lot of stuff wrong. But because he's so chaotic and crazy, he can win some of these fights. But if he's, you know, saying that he needs to turn it down and fight more conservative, I think that's kind of, you know, negating one of his best strengths, which is, you know, creating that chaos. I mean, looking at his striking, I mean, it's just... He just spams volume out there, but there is not much defense. There's not a lot of whole clean, a lot of clean technique I'm seeing. It kind of reminds me of uh, Ricky Tertios in a way. And I mean, he just gives up takedowns. He gives up his back. He's always looking to scramble. But when you see Pantoja, you know, a highly skilled grappler, he was able to really control him and uh, get him, get some back takes. And Bontarin is, I'd say, uh, you know, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Pantoja, but I'm impressed with the guy's control. He's an explosive wrestler. He can hit big takedowns. You saw that the Kai Car france fight he scooped him up slammed him down got a back take and i think his control game is pretty good uh when he uh gets a hold of his opponents he's pretty good at keeping it um it's just a matter of whether he's going to be able to sustain that for long periods of time over the 15 minutes um and i think the reason why ozzy brought it up is why he's a dog here is probably due to that weight cut versus the chanel fight i honestly kind of forgot about that but yeah missing weight abandoned weight now he's going down to 125 i think a lot of people are putting too much stock into that because skill wise i think Bonserin is uh the, the cleaner boxer i mean he outboxed chanel for the majority of that fight um i think most people were expecting him to wrestle heavy in that fight, but he just boxed the entire time. He was fighting patient, measured, and, you know, has some pop behind his punches as well. 
And uh, I think that he's going to be, you know, honestly, the better striker and grappler than Roy Ball here. It's just a matter of can that cardio hold up? Can he not get sucked into that crazy, uh, hectic pace that Roy Ball likes to set? And uh, I think Bonsoran's worth a play here as an underdog. I'll go ahead and pick him straight up. So I'm agreeing with Ozzy once again. And, uh, you know, hopefully Bonsoran comes through for us this week. And co-main event, incredible fight. Really looking forward to this one. We got our boy Jake Collier as the favorite. Minus, let's see where he's at. Um, minus 128, Chase Sherman plus 108. And, uh, you know, I'll start this one off. Jake Collier, you got to cheer for the guy. You know, obviously he's uh, uh, doesn't quite look like the... The, your definition of a fighter. He used to be a middleweight. He's ballooned up to a heavyweight. Um, but the guy still has, you know, some good skill, even underneath all that fat. Uh, you could see that the guy is, uh, you know, a creative striker. He's got good strike selection. He targets the legs, head, and body really well. Uh, probably got Ra versus Carlos Felipe in his last fight. Um, and, you know, the guy has pretty good cardio. I mean, he threw a ton of strikes in, uh, I think he's landed like 120 or 130 significant strikes in back-to-back fights. Um, and Chase Sherman doesn't exactly have bad cardio as well. He also did put up good numbers against Arlovsky and Sherman, but I just think the guy's defense is not that good. He doesn't really figure things out as the fight goes. I think Collier is the more intelligent fighter. I highly doubt we see any grappling in this fight. I, I don't understand. I don't think grappling is likely at all from either side so it should just be a 15 minute kickboxing fight and i would get chase sherman the power advantage um you know, we haven't really seen Collier's power transfer up to those weight classes, um, but I would give Collier the the output advantage, the cardio advantage, and, you know, I just think he has the better strike selection, like I said. So uh, as long as Sherman does, you know, catch Collier with a big punch or a big flurry here and knock him out, I just trust Collier to win minutes, win the rounds, and uh, win this decision. So uh, the, you usually see heavyweight fights uh, as underdogs to go to the decision, but this fight is pretty accurately lined, minus 150 to go the distance. And, um, you know, I, I bet Collier in his last fight, he's a good underdog type of fighter, but not a guy I'm really jumping off the page to bet as a favorite. I think he's, you know, much better in the roles than underdogs. So I'll be cheering for Collier to get the win here, but uh, not interested in betting him at juice. Yeah, I mean, this fight's insane. Like, I would never would have thought I'd be betting on a Jay Collier versus Jay Sherman fight at heavyweight. I mean, but like I always, I mean, Jay Sherman's the one of the worst guys in the UFC roster. Uh, I think he gets his third L here in a row, and he gets his walking papers. Because, I mean, just the line-wise, I think it just leans towards Collier. This fight, they're setting over a two-and-a-half right there, saying more likely to go to distance. And uh, just Sherman just cannot do anything early on in these fights. I don't think he's going to be able to get anything going against uh, Collier, which is, which is going to be the only time that... Uh, in the fight is on his script. So I think Collier uh, is able to use some of the kicks and variety to stifle some, uh, uh, you know, Sherman coming forward. I think that'll be a strategy for sure, straight off the bat, you know, be very aggressive and come forward uh, from the, from the bell. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he should be able to land uh, a little bit more than Sherman uh, use his footwork to, to cut, cut some angles and not uh, get cornered and uh, maybe win this fight by decision, but who, like, who the hell knows? Like, <laughs> I can't believe I had to just talk about that fight. <laughs> I'm still looking forward to it, though. Uh, yeah, it, should guess, be a, it should be a fun time. I, mean, I Just how long can this freaking uh, Jay Collier heavyweight thing go? Like, how long can, like, how many fights can he have? I don't, I don't know have? if he has any interest How many in fights can you think he can have? I don't think he has any. Like, how? How many more? I don't know. I'd say four, four more, maybe. Four more. Max. Oh my god! I mean, 
This guy, like, realize he beat Volante. This is the only guy he beat a heavyweight. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know how long this is gonna, this act is in the last war. <laughs> I want to see um, him against someone good. Is what I'm saying. Like, let's let's see it. Let's see if he can fight someone good. I know. If he wins this, I'd love to see Parker Porter versus Jake Collier. That'd be <laughs> incredible MMA right there. Yeah. Um, but pretty funny, the fights in the co-main event. Um, we're flying through this card. Uh, we're already at the main event. Only 10 fights again. Um, and a really fun main event. And we have Giga Chikadze, minus 230. Calvin Cater, plus 195. Uh, you know, just incredible fight. Uh, two top 10 featherweights. Um, really looking forward this is, to this one. Yeah, this, uh, this is a good fight that Prince, you know, put together. So, you know, unfortunately, the rest of the card, you know, fell off. But this is a, a, a fight between two two guys. Obviously, they're strikers first. Um, Giga showed some some ground ability in the last fight. And I think here, I can see why people people like him here. Um, I think matchup-wise, uh, I, I think there's there's some elements that, that, uh, that, that give Cater some, some good advantages here. But I think... The style that Giga brings with that kick-heavy approach, I think it's in a trouble uh, cater a little bit. Um, cater just gets a little too uh, like linear with some of these attacks that he uh, that he puts uh, puts out. Um, but I think Le- I understand why someone would like betting him at plus two hundred. Um, Max Holloway is just just a bad matchup for him overall. Just Max is a kind of guy he's always taking space away from you and kind of fainting in, and he's taking a beat away from you when when you're coming in and attacking like a guy like Cater is. Like he's maybe like trying to faint in and you know get position and jab. And as soon as, uh, you know, Holloway, he'll just go and attack you. Uh, and it's super hard to kind of get on that that uh, different kind of uh, script, which is why he just got beat just for every second of the, because Max was like playing a whole different kind of song and Cater didn't know any of the dance moves to it. So uh, and, and he wasn't able to, to catch up to him. That's it's just to, to kind of try to visualize it, um, you know, with kind of how, how some of these uh, fights go. It's like a sensory overload when a guy like Max Holloway is like all over you, he's fainting, he's, you know, tapping you, stepping back, hitting you again. So uh, that was an insane performance. But in this fight, I think that, you know, you can lean into the um, durability of Cater and look at that over. Um, and play that if you don't want to lay the juice on Giga. Um, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be paying a you know minus two thirty. You haven't really seen uh, his chin at all, and every guy that Cater has uh, fought, he has landed on them in a big way, and uh, he is definitely a much different fighter than Barboza. Barboza really wants to set up those kicks and then kind of use his punches or vice versa. But it, he kind of is working off his kicks uh, a lot. Uh, uh, Giga was able to shut that down. Um, and, you know, here, Cater, although I don't think he defends kicks that well, he's only looking to box. So I think he'll have opportunities to land on Giga. You don't really know uh, what his chin looks like, uh, but Cater's shown that he's uh, he's ready for five. Um, so I would lean him on the value side and maybe look to play the over if you wanted uh, action on the fight. Yeah, and this seems like a pretty clear, you know, kickboxer versus boxer matchup. And Ozzy put it really well. He Cater is a bit too linear. Like you know what to expect from the guy. He's he's the orthodox. He's going to be coming forward. He doesn't really have a lot, whole lot of movement. While Giga moves in and out, he switches stances. He gives you so many different looks. So I think that Cater is going to struggle with that early on. Cater is a pretty notorious slow starter, and I think we see that again here. Uh, Giga is pretty likely going to have the speed advantage and i think he's just going to be presenting a lot of different looks and likely going to beat uh 
cater here in the first round, maybe in the first two rounds. And I think it could look sort of similar to the Zabit fight. Zabit pumped out a ton of volume and was able to land on Cater. But as that fight started to go into round two, Cater started to figure stuff out. He started to land his hands. He's got great boxing combinations. He digs to the body really well. And he can even have a success with his own leg kick. So look out for maybe um, Cater to be throwing his own leg kicks to try to limit that mobility of Giga, uh, but Giga or Cater also notoriously struggles with leg kicks himself. You know, Moicano shut him down with leg kicks. Jeremy Stephen was having success with those. Um, so I think Cater's going to have to go through a, a rough, you know, first seven, 10 minutes here. Uh, but the second half of the fight, I think, really favors Calvin Cater. I think that he is uh, definitely more proven over five rounds. He has five-round wins in the bag, has five-round losses as well. Um, the Dan Ige fight was a really good performance. And we have we haven't seen Giga pass round three, right? Uh, we saw him in round three versus uh, Jamal Emmers, and he was looking kind of tired there. Obviously, he finished Barboza in round three of his last fight, but that fight I thought was kind of trending in Barboza's direction. I think the live lines uh, indicated that as well. But then Giga came out with that massive knee to the body and uh, punch combination that that hurt um, Barboza. And Giga had you know incredible killer instinct and was able to find that finish. Something we haven't really seen from him too much. We've seen him drop guys and not really follow it up. Uh, but you know, really incredible killer instinct there. And that was you know Giga's biggest step up of his career and he handled it with flying colors so i've been a bit of a doubter of giga in the past and i'm starting to really respect the guy um but he does he doesn't necessarily throw more volume than cater he their volume is pretty similar with the amount of strikes they throw he certainly doesn't have a grappling advantage so it's a striker versus striker matchup i think that minus 230 for giga uh when he only has one way to win i think is a bit wide so I think money line wise, it is wide right off the bat, but I think you're also going to get plus 250 plus 300 on Cater in the live line. So it might be best to wait, see how Cater is doing with the kicks, see how he's doing with the speed in round one, see if he's checking leg kicks. And then maybe in round two, at some point, look to lock in some action on Calvin Cater. Um, and I really think that uh, we could be looking at, you know, a 2-2 heading into round five type of thing here where Giga wins the first two rounds, Cater wins three and four, and it's a, you know, a competitive round five. So uh, I think the second half of the fight really favors Cater. Um, I think the the body work, the punches of Cater could start to pay dividends late and slow down that gas tank. Um, and it's just a really interesting fight. Really looking forward to this one. Um, you know, gun to my head pick, I'll still go with Giga, but I think the value is on uh, Cater, and I'll be cheering for Cater to get this one done. Um, and, uh, you know, just an incredible fight, a really good main event to kick off the year. Like Ozzy said, it's a shame the rest of the card fell apart. Uh, but, you know, it's just good to have the UFC back. Even if we got 10 fights, we're going to have, you know, a ton of events over the next few weeks and uh, UFC 270s next week. Um, so, you know, it's good to be back. And um, let's do our uh, two pick parlay, Ozzy. So I'll give you first picks on who you want for this one. Oh, yeah, I, I, uh, I almost forgot about that. Give me one second. Damn. Call me by surprise. <laughs> I think I know who you're gonna pick, but I'm not gonna Why say. Why don't you? It. You go ahead. Right before me, go ahead. You pick whoever you want. I'll I'll pick. I'll go with a safe pick on this one. I'll go with my girl Caitlin Chukagian. Okay. All right. <laughs> Money line. Okay, so, uh, Straight uh, up. Martian's got. All right. I, I'm. I'll go with Court McGee. I think Court is. Uh, I think he's a good play here. Um, but I. Yeah, I think Court Bill. 
Sava, I think all of those sponsoring, you know, a bunch of uh, a few good under the radar uh, picks that, uh, or, or lines there that I think are, will have value. Um, but I'll go with Court for uh, for that two teamer. Interesting. I was expecting you to pick Bontrin. Uh, those two only come out to plus 204, but I'm going with the safe pick, one, minus 180. If I had to go with a riskier pick, uh, you know, I think Court, you know, is a slight underdog. Um, riskier pick, I would go with Bontrin as well, which comes out to plus 378. So uh, Ozzy and I agree with a lot on this one. You know, maybe not the most, you know, entertaining to listen to us agree with one another, but hopefully we'll have some fights we disagree with next week to get some, you know, back and forth going. Um, but, you know, it feels good to be back. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting. Last year was a great year. Uh, you know, Ozzy coming on in the second half of the year really uh, brought up the views and the engagement. So I appreciate everyone that's listening. And, uh, you know, we hope you continue to enjoy the podcast over the next year. Uh, might have some different type of videos and stuff coming out uh, over the next year. So, uh, you know, just stay tuned and uh, it's good to be back. Any closing thoughts, Ozzy? No, not really. Just, uh, you know, stay safe, <laughs> stay healthy and, uh, you know, let's uh, you know win some money this year. So f- stay focused on you know getting actually you know getting the lines that you're uh, that you're kind of like picking and you know getting that money down uh, and looking to turn it over. So find find a value on every uh, every card and uh, you know getting uh, you know getting to the window.